All right. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew 6 today. So if you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and open that up and meet me there. Um, the text is on the paper as well, but it's, there's going to be a few verses before and after that are not included. So just want to make sure that you're there. Um, and I'm excited, y'all, to, to be preaching to people. Uh, no offense. I love the lens. I love the camera. But, yeah, when I can see you, that's, uh, I just love that. The energy is different. All right, Matthew 6, beginning in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray... Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their, tras their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Pray with me, y'all. Father, I pray today that you would teach us how to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, amen. So I remember the day that I found out I was going to be a father. Uh, any, any fathers in the room remember that? Um, yeah, so I actually found out before my wife, which is crazy. It's, it's kind of it's rare. So she was like, yo, Mel, I don't know if this test is working. And so I go, and I see it's positive, like she's pregnant. And sure enough, I look at her, wide-eyed, smile on my face, and then she found out. <laughs> yeah. Um, middle seconds before, but yeah. A few months later, that feeling never left, right? I was still happy and excited to be a father. I could imagine myself talking to my son, playing basketball with him. He didn't even, I didn't even know I was having a son yet or a daughter or whatever. But, like, I could imagine myself playing ball, teaching him all these things, showing him love. But then also this fear also set in. I've never had someone so vulnerable depend on me for anything like that, like 24-7. And so fast forward, I'm at a church at the time. And um, they throw a baby shower for us. And the pastor says to me, you're going to be a good father. And in my head, I'm like, bro, you don't know me. Like, what you talking about? Like, you don't know me. And so almost as if he had read my mind, because, you know, that's doubt talking. Uh, he had said immediately after that, and I'm not saying that because I know you. Right? Um, he says, I'm saying that because you are a child of the greatest father of all time. And see, guys, today is not a sermon on fatherhood, but I think if we're going to talk about prayer, one of the keys to Jesus's prayer life was who he was praying to, was that he knew the father. He trusted the father and knew that he loved him. And see, my hope for us today is that we would trust the father 
and know that in Christ, he loves us. And while it is important to discuss honoring God as holy, or your kingdom come, your will be done, which, by the way, last week's sermon kind of uh, gave us a good insight on that, right? Shout out to Johnny for that. Um, while it's important to ask for daily bread, ask for forgiveness and to extend forgiveness to others, ask for deliverance from temptation and deliverance from evil, what I want to focus on today is just that first line, our Father in heaven. See, in his classic book, uh, J.I. Packer um, wrote in Knowing God, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. Father is the Christian name for God. And so see, uh, before we even get to this model prayer that Jesus had, he starts to address how not to pray. In verses 5 and 6, he says, don't be like the hypocrites who love to get attention from other people, right? That's really what he's talking about here. It's not so much praying in public. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't have prayed in public before you. Um, it's about more of the heart of prayer. He says, don't, be pray, don't pray to impress other people, but pray in secret knowing that your father sees you. See, that's something that we all want, right? We all want to be noticed. We all want to walk into a room. We don't want to feel like we walk into a place and just like no one's even known we showed up. We don't got to be the center of attention, but I mean, you know, we want to be noticed, right? And God sees you. So you don't have to pray to try to impress other people. See, each time he addresses a misconception, he talks about a truth about the Father, the Father sees you. In verses 7 and 8, he says, you don't have to pray with all these great words, a lot of words and empty phrases, right? Uh, and, and this is, even speaks to us today. Uh, I love the story in 1 Kings 18 where Elijah the prophet is praying to God, and these other people are praying to their false god, Right? And Elijah, as a savage, he's like, what's happening? Your God's on the toilet? He says, your God's relieving himself? Like, we don't have to do that because our God listens to us. And what the passage says in verse 8 is that our Father knows what we need. See, it's not enough just to be noticed and seen. We also have to be known. And our Father does both. This brings me to the model prayer that Jesus begins to pray in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 9. And there's a sharp contrast each time with this false way of praying and the right way of praying, right, which talks about the view of the Father. But in this verse, in verse 9, you almost miss it because the ESV doesn't say it. But you pray like this. There's a sharp change, a turn in this passage. Um, now, before we get into that, I want to talk, I want to get into the mind of first century Judaism and particularly Jesus of this day, right? And so... Jesus would have known how to pray, and his disciples likely would have known how to pray. They would have done it often, maybe three times a day on a regular, right? So when they ask Jesus to pray in Luke 11, they actually prompt him and ask him. They're not saying it so that they can learn something new, per se. See, in this day, there was this prayer commonly known as the Amidah, and it was a long prayer. 
And so disciples would often ask their rabbi, like, because they wanted to pray, uh, and they wanted to fulfill that responsibility and do that daily, they would often ask them for a condensed version. And so what the disciples are doing here is asking Jesus, what is your condensed version? And if you see the Amidah, you see the Lord's Prayer, you'll see a lot of similarities. But you'll also see a few differences. And I think this is important because of what Jesus leaves out. All right? Stay with me. Building a, building a, a context here, right? So Jesus leaves out these parts like uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He also leaves out these parts about rebuilding Jerusalem and rebuilding the temple. And he kind of, what he does is he takes away some of the things that would have related specifically to Jews. And he opens it up and makes it broader and gives access to everyone. Isn't that beautiful? The other thing that Jesus does is he shifts priorities. And so in the Amidah, they start asking right away. What Jesus does, he says, let's look at the Father. Let's look at his holiness, his kingdom, his will. And then we start asking. See, sometimes we pull up to God and we act like he's this cosmic vending machine. Or, or, or you know, he's the emergency room. And I'm not going to dissuade you from praying to God in that way. But I want to encourage you to pray to God as father. He's not just some person you go when you're in danger, like a doctor or a hospital that you want to avoid at all costs. Right? And he's not just this cosmic vending machine that is just going to give you whatever he wants. He wants a relationship with you as father. So that brings me to the prayer. Beginning in verse 9. Um, says, our father in heaven. And it's important that we don't miss that first word, our. Right? That tells us two things. It associates us with the one who's praying it. Catch that? Jesus is the true son of God. He is the son of God. And what he does by praying our father is he includes us with him. And he gives us access to the father. John 1 verse 12 puts it this, says this. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We have access to God because of Jesus through believing in his name. And so our includes us with him. We're part of a team. We're part of, we're part of Jesus. We're one of Jesus' brothers and sisters. But our also does something else. It can, praying connects us vertically to God, but it also connects us to one another. Yeah? And so our says that we can pray. Our, our prayer is not private. It's not something that is just meant for us. It's not just impacting us. Your prayers affect me. My prayers affect you. Uh, one of the things that makes prayer hard sometimes is that, you know, just we don't, we don't know how to do it or whatever. We feel like alone in it. It's just weird. And so one of the practices I want to give you, while, yes, praying in secret is important, I want to encourage you also to find some brothers, find some sisters in the church, and pray with them. I think that's super powerful and helpful to our prayer life. And we see this constantly throughout the Lord's Prayer. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. Right? That communal language, that prayer, is, is not just me and God, it's we and God. And see, guys, prayer also has implications on our relationships with one another. So I want to draw your eye real quick to verses 14 and 15 
where Jesus prays this. He says that he, after he's done with the prayer, he kind of goes back and he points to something very specific. And he starts commenting on that. So I think it's important that we look at that. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Once we know the Father in prayer, that has implications for how we respond to one another. When we receive the Father's forgiveness, that has implications to how we forgive our brothers and sisters in the church. And so, yeah, our Father. All right, here comes the fun. Um, fa- your father is a loaded term, right? Some of, whether it's conscious or subconscious, you hear the word father and you start thinking about somebody. Yeah, because we have, we, you probably think about your father. For some of us, the term father resonates because you had a good father, you had a loving father. For some of us, we may have been abused physically or emotionally, or you were abused by other men in authority. So father doesn't quite resonate in the same way. It brings up hurt and pain that we've had. Maybe your father was absent emotionally, physically, um, or through other means. Maybe he was incarcerated or passed away. You're not alone. Guys, I'm talking to you today, I've never seen my father. My biological father, right, left before I was born and said something to the effect of my mom that I don't want anything to do with that kid. My mom then threw knives at him, she's crazy, but (laughs) she was in pain too. And I've felt that pain as a child growing up. I've felt that. For me, praying to God as father is not some theoretical concept. He's my father. And I think when we understand that, when we trust God in that way, we come in a different Father is a loaded term. And if that's you today where you may have been hurt by your father, even the best ones, then my encouragement is to look at Jesus. Seriously, John 14, um, Jesus tells people, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then in verse 9, Philip, one of the disciples, is like, hey, can we see the Father? And you know what Jesus says? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Hebrews 1 verse 3, it says that Jesus is the exact imprint of the Father. He's the exact radiance. He's a spitting image. And so I think there's some some stories here in in the Bible that I find really compelling that teach us about who God is as a Father. The first one is in Matthew 7 within the same sermon, right? So Jesus is preaching a sermon. He talks about prayer. Later on, he ends up talking about, uh, saying this. Matthew 7 from 7 to 11, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, 
will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? See, I love that he says, ask, seek, and knock. It's kind of like this redundance, but it's also there's a nuance in the, in the words, right? Asking, seeking, and knocking, they're all different things. But there's that repetition there to go to God and ask for what you need. My son Milo, his two favorite words is yo quiero. He speaks Spanish. And let me translate that for you is I want. Papi, yo quiero ice cream. I want ice cream. Papi, I want this. Papi, can you read me another book? Can you read me three books? Can you read me four? Papi, can you sing me a song right before bed? Every, every night before bed, he wants to do that. He asks because he knows that as his father, I have the power to give it to him, and I love him and want to provide for him. And so if you want to learn how to pray, look at a kid. Just look at a kid. I was talking to, before the service, I was talking to Liam. I saw Penelope over there. And I was very intentional about that because I'm thinking I'm praying, right? That's who I want to see. That's the example. You get to come to God like that. You get to come to God like that. And... In Luke, 11, in Luke 11, yeah, excuse me, rolled off the tongue real weird. Uh, in Luke 11, <laughs> there's a, this story is also told in a different way, and there's a parable given. And it's one that I preached on last year. But this dude's just knocking on his friend's door, right? And he's asking him to open up because he wants some bread. And the, bre- and the, the, the dude's like, yo, go away, leave me alone. I'm sleeping, my family's in bed. But he keeps knocking, shamelessly asking for what he needs. And eventually the dude opens. And the, the passage tells us that God isn't like that. You don't have to strong arm him into giving you something. He loves you. He wants to give you good things. The other story uh, is in Luke 15 from 11 to 32. It's a real popular verse. If you've been in church for like 15 minutes, you probably heard it. Uh, and it goes, I'm going to summarize this one because it's a long passage, but the son asked the father for his inheritance. Now, back in those days, that would have meant land, that would have meant possessions. Uh, and so he, would, he, he gave him half of his inheritance. He gave the son. But the son's, what the son's basically saying to the father is, yo, I wish you were dead. I just want your money, and I want to be out. Cruel, right? The son ends up going, and he squanders it, the Bible tells us. He got no money left. He used it all up. To the point where he's looking at pigs eating and he's like, mmm, that looks good. And then he realizes to himself, my father has workers. Maybe I'll just go back and beg him for a job. Like, he won't accept me as his son, but maybe I can get a job. And in that story, the father sees the son from afar and runs to him and embraces him. He, makes, he throws a feast for him, he clothes him, and he welcomes his, him back, not as a servant, not as an employee, but as a son. There's another son that's kind of on the side, kind of bitter, a little salty, and, um, and, he, and the father tells him, hey, everything that I have is yours. Some of us today, we feel distant from God, right? Some of us feel distant from God, and I think that's justified. 
I think we've run off. I think we've gone somewhere. But the good news for us today is that the Father in Christ is waiting and welcoming you to come to him. And prayer is one of those ways that we do that. Um, I've seen this with parents, right, that they got 40, 50-year-olds, like older, older women, you know, the doñas on the block, and they, they still take care of their kids, some of them dealing with some real bad addictions and such. But they do so because no matter what, this is the line that I keep hearing, that's my son, that's my daughter. And that's the type of love and affection that God has for us. And then there's others of us who, you know, we may have forgotten. We know God is Father, but we just don't draw on him like that. And the encouragement that I find in Luke 15 is that everything that I have is yours. You have access to the Father. See, we pray to a Father who is not like the fathers of this world. He's our Father in heaven. Catch that? That means we have a Father with the power and the perspective of heaven. That means he is both near to you as your Father, but he's also great. Uh, I, was, I was checking out this story. Um, Brooklyn Beckham, I don't know if you guys ever heard of him. Maybe you heard of his dad, David Beckham. Yeah. All right, so Brooklyn Beckham talks about how the first time he realized his father was famous. He's at a soccer game. His father hits a goal, and everybody in the crowd starts chanting, and, oh, my gosh, David. They start saying his name over and over and over again. And he's like, oh, snap. My dad's famous. To him, that was just his dad. But then he, he realized something else, that his dad was big. Uh, Tim Keller says this quote that I love. He says, the only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. We have that kind of access, church. I don't know if you've ever seen kids acting a fool and you're like, don't do that because you're going to hurt yourself. Right? You know what I'm talking about. And they're like, no, I'm not. I got this, mommy. And what happens later on? Or daddy, what happens later on? They hurt themselves. We have a God with the power and perspective of heaven. He is near to us, but he also isn't just, he's not clouded by perspective. He sees and knows all things. And so it's worth, um, he's worth listening to. Now, church, what does this mean for our prayer lives, right? It means that we have a father who sees us and knows us and welcomes us to come to him. It means that we are adopted as God's children. Do you know that? We, we've been adopted into God's family, and he calls us son and daughter, it means that we can pray together as part of a family that is welcomed into the presence of the Father. And it means we can pray to a Father who knows us, forgives us, and welcomes us into a changed life. It means we can pray trusting the Father because in Christ, he loves us. So would you pray with me? The, the words are there on your paper. 
But I would love to, for, for all of us to pray the Lord's Prayer together. You ready? All right. Beginning in verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.